This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, however it applies. Your host, Jeff Lloyd from SI.com, Pete Smith, your local experts on the biggest stories, Cleveland Browns wise, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. A uh, lot to get to tonight. Hopefully, we'll have a squeeze it all in. Um, you know, between Greg, um, the pressers today, combine running backs, the mock draft. Um, hopefully, maybe some talk on the CBA talks, which are stinking ludicrous. Um, Greg Robinson, um, first things first, for that faction of Browns Twitter and the media and the fandom. The Browns, who were no go, no longer going to be doing business with Greg Robinson. Greg Robinson was not going to be back regardless. This incident had nothing to do with it. Pete, perpetually stupid. Um, there are plenty of places you could actually choose to reside if you want to smoke marijuana as a professional athlete who's made $29 million. And I'm assuming he's part of the league that's out of the off-season testing program where it's maybe not that much of an issue. You can live there. And purchase it or have somebody bring it to you. Toke up all you want. Um, what's described as a heavy amount trying to transfer it across the border is not a smart idea. Um, especially when two days ago, DJ Humphreys gets a nice fat contract extension, sets a nice number for average, a little above average left tackles to get paid. You're looking at perhaps, perhaps a eight-figure salary, seven-figure salary, $10 million, I apologize. Um, and you get caught up in something like this. A, it's just blatantly stupid. B, it's reckless. I mean, I just can't, Pete. Well, well, I mean, the idea seemingly here is that it's some um, substantial amount because, you know, it's what, he, what what's alleged is that he's intending to sell it. Um, I don't think... You know, you, you make a trip to, across the Texas-Mexican uh, border to smuggle in weed just for your recreational use. So, you know, it would seemingly be like, you know, a significant amount in terms of like Nate Newton type stuff. So we'll see what it ends up being. But um, this sounds like it's its own business venture. You know, $29 million already made in the league, you know. The opportunity of maybe looking at 10 mil, you know, it's just galactically stupid. Um, it's for people who can't make money other ways. This isn't for people who can, I just, I, I just can't. And, you know, and, and Jack, I love you. No, you just, just because he's cheap, you don't reward stupidity. You just don't. And it was over anyway. Um, and look, when you see that it's federal charges now and it's between you know, a border where it's two countries and Greg Robinson is in a world, a world of trouble and just dumb, 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 dumb. Hey, we got pressers today. Um, normally these things are, you know, everything sounds good. Everybody's excited. Um, you know, but I thought Joe Woods, Alex Van Pelt each gave away some things that you, you get a little. But got a little bit more from them than you normally do. Obviously, Prefer just wants to continue the good work he's done at this point. Obviously, he's got his two, two specialists and his kicker, his punter. He's had some nice, had some decent coverage units. What of those guys he gets to keep, we'll see. Um, 
Joe Woods talking about, you know, Miles Garrett. Joe Woods talking about that he got to see this franchise up close last season. Um, emphasizing coverage, emphasizing rush. I thought one of the ones I took away was, you know, emphasizing safeties who can cover, which automatically made me think of Jimmy Ward playing safety for the 49ers last year as opposed to all the years and obviously originally drafted as a cornerback. Um, but some good stuff, I thought, from Joe Woods, and he kind of got a picture painted. And you're always going to say, oh, we got some really good, talented players. He's not going to say, oh, well, these guys really, really suck. Um, of course, you're going to say that you got some talent with these guys. But I thought Joe Woods came off pretty well. And obviously, the fact that, you know, he's, you know, has some roots here and he's going to be able to bring some butts to the seats come game day. Uh, I mean, most of the stuff that was of interest to me was talking about, uh, you know, how his defense is going to be formed and his philosophy and some of those things uh, was somewhat interesting. Um, Jimmy Ward. Um, yeah. The guys who can't stay healthy ever. Sign I'm up. not advocating for Jimmy Ward. I'm just saying that maybe we, when we're looking at safeties, we might want to put coverage as a emphasis. Uh, maybe, but uh, the stuff about like Miles Garrett was whatever. The stuff about Joe Schobert was ever because he can't, you know, he, all he can basically say is they're good um, at this point, which is fine. Uh, his talk about he, he uh, whether he meant to or not, and part of me thinks he meant to, uh, he sort of pointed out how stupid the concept of arguing about the 3-4 versus the 4-3 was. On multiple instances, uh, he talked about uh, sort of, you know, how, how important he feels guys who can cover are and pass rushers. He's focused on that before the run, which I thought was interesting uh, and, and good. Uh, they have to get better at, at, at those areas of the game uh, on a consistent basis. So, you know, I thought he, he, he put out some interesting stuff. I don't know how, you know, game changing any of it is, but nevertheless. And, and obviously, you know, it's, you know, I, and it's always, you know, well, this is the vision of my defense, but it's always, you know, can within one off season, can you get as much as you need to get it done? I mean, that's key to it. Um, Pete, I do think the way Alex Manpelt spoke today, and, you know, this is where we kind of give ourselves the old Barry Horowitz wrestler, you know, pat on the back. Um, yes, I mean, Alex Manpelt sounds like he's the offensive coordinator of this team. Um, you know, the play calling talk, talk I thought he handled well. I'd love to call plays. Um, I work for Kevin Stefanski. We'll see how this all plays out. I think we all think Kevin Stefanski is going to call plays here. Um, but it was the a lot of Baker talk and him already saying, well, there's some things I think, you know, we need to switch up to get him cleaner, which is kind of what we're saying is, and what we've been saying is, you know, Alex Van Pelt, A, is here to you know, work with Kevin Stefanski and quote unquote, be the offensive coordinator, but he's also be the guy to be here to get Baker back to 2018 form. Well, that, that, that was a substantial focus uh, of, the, of the press or obviously people asking about that, but yeah, he basically made it pretty clear that, that is a big part of his job, uh, and that is a big part of his focus, talking about mechanical things and stuff he thinks uh, that can can get better, which I think is good. Um, I, uh, you know, he, he, he made some talk about broad strokes with the offense, but largely it was stuff that we already knew from Kevin Stefanski talking about the wide zone and certain things they want to do there. He sort of 
mentioned the tight end position, maybe sounded a little more cautious, cautiously optimistic than some people seem to be about the unit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about Baker Mayfield talking about footwork, talking about uh, what he liked about him, you know, just the things he wants to do, shot down the notion that Baker was wrong about the not working with an outside quarterback coach during the off season that uh, he would prefer it be him or somebody who's going to do the same things that he's doing. So uh, that was worthwhile and interesting to me. Uh, I mean, he, you know, he, he said without saying it, that he's the quarterback's coach uh, or, you know, he doesn't care about the title, but in all intents and purposes, he's the quarterback's coach. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, he, he's, his his role as offensive coordinator is largely installation and, and details and stuff like that. And then uh, he's going to also be the quarterback's coach. And then on game day, it certainly sounds like uh, Kevin Stefanski is going to be the one actually calling plays. Well, I mean, if you are Kevin, look, this is your first gig. This is, you know, kind of what got you here. I mean, it, it, it makes the most sense. I also thought, you know, and obviously, you know, you get, you know, always get the bad questions. Tony Grossi, of course, with the not understanding things. And, you know, it's always nice when you have to take a presser and it's got to be broken down to like remedial math. So some of these people can get by. Um, I thought the talk of, you know, the two wide receivers, you know, how do you handle it? And Alex Van Pelt said, I've kind of been around this. And it's not like Kevin Stepanski hasn't been around this. Um, They've both been around two really good wide receivers at one point where you're trying to satisfy both needs and how do you make it mesh? Well, they both have been there. Uh, I did like to hear that, you know, they had a focus and a vision, you know, we want to be, you know, uh, you know, wide zone where we want to run play action. This is what, you know, got Kevin this gig. This is what we think we can do. It's nice to sometimes hear some, you know, honest and refreshing talk. Obviously you need all the tools in place to do it, so to speak, but it's nice to actually hear it and say, this is what we want to do. This is what we want to be. Right. Uh, Grossi was asking Mike Prefer about any interest elsewhere when he was under contract, so he can't. <laughs> that's not you, you, like that's, that's literally not how it works. Um, he should. I mean, it's like you literally waited for this opportunity. I mean, if you really get paid, and this is what you do. You should be able to put together five questions in 30 seconds that at least sound somewhat tangible. But go ahead. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, pre-first wasn't terribly interesting. Some of it was largely geared towards sort of defending his, uh, his, uh, stance on, on, on returning kickoffs out of the end zone. Uh, but overall that was pretty mundane, uh, you know, business as usual. Uh, they, he, he liked the kick returners they had, you know, we can disagree on that, but they're still here at least for the moment. But to be honest, he didn't really have any kick returners. None of these guys really had a resume. And other than the Hilliard one, what was that, Seattle to start the game, I think, or whatever? They didn't really have a kick returner. And it is a dying art. I mean, unless you've got, you know, a really good roster and you got a little bit of extra change and you can go out and grab a Cordarrelle Patterson. Well, maybe that didn't work out for Chicago. Oh, and before we shift gears, congratulations, Demetrius Harris. Go Bears! Yeah, I, uh, you know... They needed help, I guess. I don't know if that's actual help, but nevertheless, he is a Chicago Bear. And, you know, Ian Rappaport um, upgraded the position, and 
Maybe they did in their eyes, but it's the same nonsense. We were sold by a certain snake oil salesman, so to speak, last year. Uh, well, that I mean, look, I mean, that was Demetrius Harris had him as an offensive coordinator, you know, when he was with the Chiefs. So, I mean, he's got familiarity with him from that standpoint. The buddy system in the NFL will never die. We're going to move on here. We'll start getting to the combine running back preview here. Uh, obviously, great class. You know, some guys opted to stay in school, which took a little bit of the shine off it, but still a decent class. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, taking you through here on Locked On Browns. Zabo Apparel, S-Z-A-B-O. You guys know how I speak of them, the respect we have with each other. Craig and his family do a fantastic job. Products aren't rushed to print. It's a lot of thought process, a lot of art put behind it. And getting to know Craig like I know, a lot of stuff makes the cutting room floor before it ever actually makes it to print. So, ZaboApparel.com, S-Z-A-B-O, Zabo Apparel on Twitter. You're looking for good quality stuff. Go ahead, check out my folks over at Zabo Apparel. Now, Pete, um, we've talked about that. Now, this running back class, it's still interesting. And obviously, with today's pressers, um, look, they can't say that Hunt's not part of their plans. I, I, we don't truly know their thoughts. There's really no way they can go with this. Um, I don't think anybody's going to come to fetch him because there's a possibility. There's still the possibility of some sort of suspension. Um, whether or not he was tested, who knows? There could be, you know, the you know personal conduct suspension. We don't know this, and therefore, any team that would want to extend an offer sheet, if they don't know it, you're not going to go essentially blind bidding on a position. Dontrell Hilliard. Everybody told me he was going to be significant last year. You're going to find something there. You never really saw it. Dearness Johnson, for the most part, did his job. I don't think you have a guy there, so to speak. So we get to this class, and I mean, and you have your headliners. You have your A-listers, whether it's a Dobbins or a Swift or a Taylor. And then you get a little below, and there's the Cam Akers of the world. It's an interesting class, Pete, and I don't want to dismiss Clyde Edwards uh, Hilaire, obviously. Um, but it, it's an interesting class, Pete. But, and you also start to see that some of these guys are experienced in the receiving game as well. You know, Hilaire's one of them. Um, and then there's always going to be one or two that are just going to go in there and wow, testing wise. Well, I think it's a pretty good class. I think there are a number of backs uh, that, are, that are worthwhile. Um, yeah, I think, at least for the time being, the Browns would like to have Kareem Hunt back, or at least the very they, they'd like to have the option to have Kareem Hunt back. Um, you know, if, if this goes badly, they could easily just decide they're, they're, they're going to, you know, bail on it. But, uh, you know, it still seems right now that they're going to go original tender. Uh, and then, uh, you know, if, if they, if they are happy to keep him, they'll just keep him on that deal. If not, they can ship him for what would be, you know, a, a, basically a nothing draft pick at this point. So. That's that's sort of where this thing's at. Um, but the the running backs class is good. The problem is the guys who are actually good are being rated good now, and it doesn't look like, at least for the moment, that the value is going to be easy to find. Um, but we'll see. There there are guys like Levante Bellamy from Western Michigan who's interesting if you like a smaller back, who's super productive and supposed to test really well. But uh, and some small school guys. Obviously, uh, I like the kid out of Illinois State that could be interesting if the Browns want to go that route. But uh, first and foremost, they they have to uh, their their bigger concern right now is finding a fullback. 
Um, and, and if they're going to do that, they have to find somebody they can rely on to uh, function in this offense and uh, go from there. They're going to want to get somebody who can operate with a fullback uh, in that scenario. Um, well, obviously, you're talking about, uh, obviously, James uh, Robinson from Illinois State. For me, a guy, and you guys, it, one of the reasons I loved, you know, Etienne, and maybe he would have went so high, who cares? Um, I want somebody when I'm going to take Nick, and that's what make, makes Nick Chubb so special is, you know, not only is he big and tough and physical and breaks a lot of tackles and a lot of, you know, gets a lot of people to say, nah, 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 nah I'm good. He's also got the breakaway speed. So if I'm going to take him off the field, why can't why not look for somebody even a little bit faster? So now Nick's beating you up and run past you, and here comes a guy maybe a tick faster. So you know my guy here, um, one I'm really looking forward to, you know, for the testing numbers is Anthony McFarland. Um, you've got guys with like legit resumes, whether it's Zach Moss from Utah, um, whether it's AJ Dillon from Boston College. Obviously, you know all of this right now is rubbish until these numbers start to get concerned. Obviously, for you Ohio State fake folks, uh, even J.K. Dobbins is an interesting one. Hope the hell he's not going to be anywhere near um, you know the AFC North because that is certainly something I don't want to see two times a year. Um, you know, uh, obviously Jonathan Taylor uh, for me, local kid out of Jersey. Uh, you know, tore it up at Wisconsin, put up incredible numbers. Um, a lot of people are like, and I see the people te- you know questioning the athletic ability and the testing he's going to put up. I was a track star here in New Jersey. Um, I'm not really sure where I'm seeing that. You know, that's not going to happen. You got your big, old, you know, bigger physical type of guys, whether it's Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt, um, Polite out of Florida, interesting guys. Um, I always mess up these names. Uh, Alonawu out of TCU. You know, he's going to be interesting because the off-field testing is going to matter to him. Had an arrest last spring, so it's somebody got to look at. TCU's actually got two running backs going to this combine. Pete, one of your early favorites that you kind of like that can do a little bit of everything, Eno Benjamin. Um, it'll be an interesting class to see how you know these guys test because there's always going to be you know some that jump. And one that I'm getting people tell me a lot about, you know, Jamichael Hasty out of Baylor, um, a guy that you know showed pretty well down at the senior bowl, and a guy who may show really well in Indy. Um, it's 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 always fun because you know, this running back class, and there's always one or two that just sort of pop come combine weekend and then everybody kind of goes and all right, let's go back to the tape. Let's do this. And and is this, does this show on tape? Does this four, four show on tape similar to, you know, Javon Langford, like I brought up the other night from Michigan state, does this show up when I'm seeing this on film? Uh, Yeah. I mean, you have to have some, you know, basis of reality as to why you should expect, you know, a player to do something. And that's, obviously a key to this whole thing. Otherwise you end up with uh, uh, the the kid, uh, the Titans drafted in the third round out of Arizona who didn't do anything in college, but ran really fast and then proceeded to do absolutely nothing for them. Uh, Chris Henry, I think. Uh, yes. So yeah, that, that is sort of the, the, the issue you run into with some of these guys and you have to be able to sort of, uh, you know, verify what you're seeing and, and, and match up on the tape, what, what, what they're putting up on, in terms of testing and you know and we'll find all this out here i guess i think it'll either be friday or saturday of next week um and this whole combine schedule is weird this year especially with the prime time of it which i'm still not a fan and we'll figure out how well we're going to cover that but again still not a huge 
fan of any of this and the change they're putting on. And it sucks for this class because these young guys are essentially going to be the guinea pigs of this whole thing. It's not going to change. It's going to be a primetime event. That's not going away. But these guys are going to have to be the first to do it and see how they handle it. Uh, open pit barbecue. Um, you're near Vermillion, driving through, whatever. You're looking for good barbecue in Ohio, anywhere near Vermillion. Go ahead, check out my buddy John Vaughn. John is a diehard Browns fan. Uh, does specials each week, you know, Browns-related, Cleveland sports-related. Um, you know, what you guys know me, anybody follows me, what my passions is cooking and meat, um, why John and I get along. Does a fantastic job. Pop on in. You're anywhere close. Open pit barbecue in Vermillion. You know, head up John, tell him we sent you. Talk some Browns, have some good food. Again, open pit barbecue with, uh, you know, with your owner, Mr. John Vaughn. Pete, obviously last night we got through picks one through five of the pre-combine mock. We're going to try to, we're going to work through here, picks six through two, six through ten. Obviously get to a little of these you know, CBA talks that are going on to this point. Hopefully if we can squeeze it in. Um, but, you know, uh, six overall, as we continued here for anybody that missed last night, Cincy Burrow, Washington Chase Young, Detroit, and Mr. Okuda, the Giants at four, Wills, Miami, Tua, number six on the clock. Let's roll, Pete Smith. Uh, right. So uh, how much you want to trust the Chargers is up to you, but at least right now they're saying all the right things about how much they like their quarterbacks, which include Tyrod Taylor and Easton Stick. Um, Okay, but what they may want to do is they may want to go uh, with a with with a, a, a big premium player early and then grab a guy in that second round range. Uh, so as a result, I have them taking Mackay Becton. Um, their offensive line obviously has been problematic, uh, which is you know why they've struggled. They have a lot of offensive weapons. They need things to to be better. Uh, up front so whatever quarterback they decide to take they will get a uh, better play out of it they've been sort of uh, getting the end of Russell Okung's career I don't know if they're going to keep trying with that or not but uh, Becton fits the type of offensive lineman they tend to really like uh, enormous especially with height uh, and obviously his weight and stuff but they're not you know they're, they're a gap scheme team they're not trying to run a bunch of zone stuff so two out of three tackles off the board as we inch on closer to pick number 10 Carolina Panthers here at seven Pete um obviously you know with Matt Rule and the contract he signed he's got flexibility as to the way he chooses to build this team it's not going to be anything that's going to be shut down quickly for him he's got time um a lot of it is you know Cam post Cam Newton life because there's not a soul in the world that believes Cam Newton will be part about it um you know you still have some impressive interior defensive lineman on the board here, which could help there. Carolina Panthers, number seven. Right. So the whole thing with Carolina is what are they going to do with quarterback? Uh, you know, Cam Newton doesn't doesn't make any sense for them uh, going forward. And, and if it's The not- wide receivers they kept drafting over the last couple of years, it, whether his injuries added up or not, it, it, it didn't – you didn't see the progression of the guys they were drafting – with Cam Newton, it just didn't make any sense. Correct. They, uh, they, uh, their, their offense didn't fit together very well. Um, they, it's just they need to move on. So right now they they have a quarterback room of uh, you know still Newton, Will Greer, and Kyle Allen. None of those guys are the answer. Uh, so 
we'll see. This could change, but at least for the moment, I have them taking uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, it, it, it's entirely a question of how much uh, they believe in him, but they aren't going anywhere fast. I mean, if, if they want to go and, and try to add, you know, a, a, you know, a uh, Isaiah Simmons here or something to that effect, they certainly could do that, but. I think Herbert's going to go early. Uh, uh, people are, you know, he's got tools and people love to fall in love with tools. Uh, he, he, he has some moments at Oregon, uh, again, some injuries, but he's a guy, if you can make it work, there's a lot of, of talent there to like with him. Yeah, I like, yeah, obviously, I, I agree with you. I like the, you know, the, you know, whether it's Moore, whether it's Samuel, you know, obviously McCaffrey, I, I think I like that fit better with him. And if you're Carolina, it could be one of those where we take him at seven and maybe we're not going to play him until the second half of the season. So if we're drafting top seven again in 2021, we're totally cool with it. We got time. Um, there's no reason to go throwing out free agent money yet. Let's start to, you know, get this house in order. I mean, you're moving on from Greg Olson. You're moving on from Luke Kuechly. You're moving on from, you know, Cam Newton, uh, you know, Trey Boston, who was huge for them last year. Somebody else you know, you'll be moving on for. A lot of holes to fill. No reason you got to do it all in one year. Get your chance to get your bang for your buck. You know, go play the long game. Arizona Cardinals, Pete, this was, you know, a team everybody was kind of saying was, you know, going to be in the tackle game. I think the DJ Humphreys re-signing bought them an opportunity here to maybe go best available. Um, I know it's a popular pick to Jacksonville. I kind of think maybe this move was done by them with saying maybe we'd like to get that do everything athlete, linebacker, safety, whatever the hell he is. Uh, I'm not sure you're, where you're going to go with it, but I think this maybe I'm not saying it took him out of the tackle game altogether, but maybe it took him out of the tackle game at eight. Uh, right. So um, they have a bunch of needs. Uh, all over the place. They're, you know, a pretty miserable team. Um, they could certainly add help at linebacker. Uh, they could certainly add help uh, at the defensive line. They could, they could definitely get another offensive lineman if they really want to invest up front to try to protect uh, Kyler Murray. Uh, as it is, um, he, they are in a division where two of the three uh, other opposing quarterbacks they play twice a year are skittish with pressure up the middle. So as a result, uh, I have them going Derek Brown, uh, nose tackle from Auburn. They have uh, they have a they they could go a few ways here. They could go with Isaiah Simmons. They could go Derek Brown. They could even uh, theoretically want to match up uh, Chandler Jones Steve. with somebody like uh, Kaysan, uh from LSU. But Derek C. Brown C. Lamb wouldn't even be the craziest idea either. Who? C.D. Lamb, you know, and get him back with Kyler Murray or add that big-time wide receiver oh, with the yeah. lower wrong wide receivers. They, I mean, they put themselves in a good position here, I think. Uh, you know, but, you know, still, I mean, you're in a really, really tough division. Yeah, Derek Brown's just a problem. Uh, you know, obviously, getting having a three uh, a uh, nose that can, can get pressure on the quarterback is invaluable, uh, but you're playing a division where – you know, you're going to be playing against the San Francisco 49ers, and you have to be able to do something against the running game. And if you can pressure Jimmy Garoppolo, if you can pressure Jared Goff, they tend to fold. Uh, but they just cannot play in a world where they just keep getting gouged uh, like they have been. So Derek Brown's a freaky, freaky talent. Uh, we'll see if he, he plays up to it. But if he, if he can and he can be 
that uh, that dominant nose, that is a really, really good player that fits exactly what they want to do on defense. I think they play themselves in a position where they can go of their choosing. If they choose to go BPA, um, and Brown's not a terrible pick. They could go first wide receiver off the board. Certainly could be an instance. Um, it seems like they're going to be stuck with Dave, you know, David Johnson. Um, obviously, you know, the running back brought over late seemed to provide more juice. Um, maybe it's time to, you know, everybody says maybe David Johnson, you know, pseudo slot receiver, that type of thing, put him back to what he used to be at Northern Iowa. I don't know, but, uh, you know, Arizona, look, you're in a, a position to get yourself a really solid playmaker. You got your quarterback last year, um, starting to get yourself in a position to start climbing that ladder. You know, obviously got a nice really piece in the secondary with Buda Baker, Patrick Peterson scenario will be interesting to see how that plays out as well. The Jacksonville Jaguars at nine. Um, who knows what to do with the quarterback position? Uh, Fournette showed more um, last season. Uh, you know, who knows with Telvin Smith and whatever's going on with some of the players in that defense. You may lose your pass rusher. You may lose Kalea Campbell. I mean, who knows? Jacksonville, it's got probably got to be something at this point, Pete, on defense now. Right, like they are a team that could add a few things on defense. They could add a pass rusher. They could add uh, help at basically any level. Uh, and the pro- they, they may be a team that's primed to trade down uh, or trade up. If they really like a quarterback, they could try to go up. But if they go down, uh, it's because they want to add some value and, and add a piece uh, and some picks there. But Given everything that they're dealing with, I, I think they are the team that, that screams Isaiah Simmons to me. Uh, they still have Miles Jack, but the other guys they've had are gone. My, uh, Isaiah Simmons gives them, uh, you know, more speed. Uh, obviously, it gives them some ability to help uh, on on various levels of the field. They can blitz and do some of those other things. But obviously, they have Josh Allen from last year uh, that they they, they they should love. Uh, and they've got some some decent guys up front. Uh, so Isaiah Simmons would be in a situation where he should seemingly be able to sort of float around pretty well protected and make plays and, and sort of bring the element that they lost with Telvin Smith and, and theoretically should be better uh, based on, on what he's done to this point. It's crazy to believe, Pete, that this is the same team that literally two years ago should have won the AFC championship game in New England and played for a Super Bowl and where they are now. And I always remember the the Derek Jeter line about MLB playoffs. And this is playoffs in general. You know, sometimes the best team doesn't always win. Maybe the hottest team gets on a roll. And the Jaguars should have played for that Super Bowl. Um, obviously, a, a crazy call that didn't necessarily go their way late in the game. But, you know, Jacksonville back to Jacksonville. Um, do you guys want the number 10 pick? I'm assuming you guys probably are interested here. And I'm assuming for my guy, Pete Smith, this lined up just chef's kiss, chef's kiss perfect. Your brownies on the clock at 10. Pete, what you got for us? Yeah, uh, they could theoretically try to move back here. Uh, they could sit here and go a kind of uh, different ways. But ultimately, I think, they're they're gonna go ahead and, and, and take Tristan Werps, uh, and and he fits perfectly for what they want to do. Uh, I think he's uh, as as much as he is a talented player, 
he also sort of a uh, a, a tent pole, you know, suggesting where, what they're going to really be offensively uh, in terms of that wide uh, zone scheme and some of the other things. But uh, he's obviously a big, tough physical player, should test really, really well at the combine, uh, which won't hurt him. He's young. He's got a ton of ability. And this is the type of guy that, you know, you, you bring in a guy like Bill Callahan to work with um, to, to see if you can't get everything out of him. So, you know, to me, at this point, he still seems like the, the, you know, the overwhelming favorite for what the Browns hope to happen. Uh, but we'll see if that changes. Any shot they try to put him at left tackle, Pete, or do you just say you're a right tackle, you're a damn good one, we're fine with it, go play right tackle? No, at this point, I think they'll just move him to left tackle. Uh, if you've listened to his offensive line coach, Brent, Brent Sobleski interviewed him. They don't really care. They, they, their, their attitude is you're an offensive lineman. You can play anywhere. And obviously he had to play left tackle this past year. It is stretched because Alaric Jackson was injured and it's not an issue for him. And ultimately that is what he's going to want. And by he, I mean his agent because left tackles make more money. So ching, you know, ching. As he gets to a second contract. He's going to want left tackle money. But the other part of that is obviously you know, your best offensive lineman is at left guard. Theoretically, your bet, you know, your, what you hope would take over that uh, or be your second best lineman or whatever. Anyway, your strongest three guys would theoretically be from left tackle, left guard, and center, giving you a whole lot of options on what to do going that way. Uh, and again, I still think they're going to get two offensive tackles in this draft. So, uh, you know, theoretically – if they get somebody they feel can only play left tackle, which would be very rare, they could keep Werfs at right tackle. But I think ultimately they'll move Werfs to right, uh, left tackle, and the other guy will be in the mix at right tackle with Kendall Lamb. Give me a Tristan Werfs, Isaiah Wilson, bookend with what you have. Yeah. I'd love it. Huh? Isaiah Wilson is just so raw and he's heavy and doesn't move that well. We'll see. He's got to test his ass off and he's got to come in skin a little bit thinner. And, and and this is another guy. It's like Becton. Like they're not supposed to look that good at those weights, but nevertheless, they're just enormous, enormous human beings. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what he does. It's tough. Isaiah Wilson has the notable disadvantage of playing on the same line as Andrew Thomas. Who's yep. just an absolute stud. Uh, it's so like it. It seems like, and this was what I hate. There's always a prospect at a couple of positions where people just like all of a sudden, like the irrational bashing starts. And it was like this kid just played clean, solid, clean football for three years, and now all of a sudden, everybody wants to like take a knife to him. It's like it's maddening at times. Yeah, I don't think that'll be. Uh, you know, I think. You know, the, the Browns, the, this worked out where the Browns have the pick of the litter. I mean, they can get either one. I still think Tristan Wirfs is sort of a dream, but Andrew Thomas is a phenomenal player. Uh, I, you know, I, I, this is one of those where, at least for the moment, we'll see. They can't get wrong, but they could certainly get go wrong with picking Isaiah Wilson unless he proves me wrong. Uh, we'll see. He could test really well. Uh, that would be lovely. He's obviously an enormous, strong dude, powerful. I think he's more suited to play gap, but... We'll see. Maybe he'll test and, and do things that surprise me. But the de- thing he's definitely is just absolute a huge human. He does not look it, and he's like six seven, three forty. Yeah, he's. I mean, there's no 
no denying it. Um, you know, and if God forbid nothing ever worked out, um, WWE or whatever it is, he'd have a nice calling there. Um, we got some time here, Pete. Some of these CBA talks are starting to roll out here. 17 game season, three game preseason, less padded practices. Look, I understand why they're going to push for a 17-game season. I get it. It's the NFL. Everything is about the godforsaken dollar, just like this combine going to prime time. We don't have a ton of time, Pete, but I'm going to give you the floor here, sir. Uh, I hate everything that's been mentioned so far. I hate the notion of, uh, I, 17 games is awful. I, I, I can't tell you how painful that would have been with the Browns this year. Certainly, there have been other years. The, the idea of a seventh playoff team in one. How does that weeks. even work? How does seven playoff teams work? So one team has a bye week, and the other three, you know, the other six play that first weekend. So now it's two against six, uh, three against five, and and uh, I'm sorry, yeah, two against uh, two against seven, three against six, and four against five. Uh, and I assume every one of these guys more chances for concussions, ACLs. Oh, oh my God. Well, so the, the big thing is obviously this past year, it would have been the Steelers making it and the Rams making it. And oh, hit Duck Hodges in the playoffs. If that doesn't make right. you hot, I, mean, I don't know what thing. does. They, that, that's, the, both of those teams were absolutely toast at the end of the year and just looking to get the hell out of Dodge. And yet they've been in the playoffs, which. You know, the, the NFL sort of hasn't, it feels like an honor to make the playoffs, save for very rare situations where you have like a seven and ten, nine division winner or whatever. But for the most part, you know, you earn getting into the playoffs where this makes it, you know, much easier to do it. Um, so that part, it, it's just all awful. Meanwhile, the at least proposed notion is that like the players would not have to practice as much during the season or in the, you know, in the uh, training camp stuff, which, Sounds good, really good but it's a really, really bad idea. Um, like you're already having players sort of come to the realization they need more practice because a they're not ready physically or in terms of technique, and this is really bad for offensive linemen who need the most reps of practice because obviously you're you're, you're constantly working with your unit, and the whole thing is about gelling and getting comfortable. So the most problematic position in the NFL, offensive tackle and offensive line in general, is now going to be in that much worse of a situation. And yes, that part of it does lead to more injuries, and that part of it does lead to more significant injuries. So this is already a problem that's coming up on the uh, with Division three co- college level, where they've lost a lot of practices. And they are experiencing more injuries, and the play is not as good, and they're just not ready. And, uh, you know, I, I get that they're, you know, trying to get more money out of this and all that, but uh, – and, and some of these guys who have three- and four-year careers are looking at this as, as, as cash. I get it. But overall, I think it's an awful, awful idea for the league, the product, and ultimately the players. Well, I mean, under this scenario, you would have had – a first round of playoff game of the Kansas city chiefs versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like seriously, seriously. Cause everybody wants to see a 42 10 playoff game. I mean, sometimes it's like, just look, I get money and money and money. sometimes just God for sakes, just let, let enough well enough be. I mean, really chiefs, 
Steelers. And you have to understand that the gap between one and two and seven and eight, it's astronomical. It's not close. There's nowhere near it's close. It's and look, I love football. More football, that's fantastic. But I mean, to see the playoffs and even that first weekend to turn into some hot garbage. No, 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 no. And where's this going to go as far as roster size? Because, you know, it's 53 for each week. It's, you know, what, 48 on game day? There's just so much still that needs to be done here. And, you know, I, I understand the players are agreeing to some of this, but what's going to go their way? Is it just going to be more money? Because, you know, I certainly don't want to see five, six, seven street free agents that have been signed for 10, 11 days having integral roles in important games in, I guess, week 18, for guys' sakes, Pete? Good God. Oh, and one less preseason game, which I also don't like. Especially, and that's the other thing, because that's similar to what MLB just did with the, you know, a pitcher has to face three batters. So you basically just told an entire position of, you know, situational right-handed pitchers, situational left-handed pitchers, you're insignificant for the greater good of the game. We just threw the hell out. So now these all these kids that are fighting for roster spots, practice squad spots in week four of the preseason, eh, never mind. Don't matter. Don't need you. I don't know. I mean, sometimes, you know, the chase for a buck just kills everything overall. Um, Going to put a bow on this here. Luckily, we were able to get it all in. Had some listener questions come in today, guys. Just too much going on, guys and gals. Weren't able to get to it. Um, so you've gotten here today, obviously, the Greg Robinson news, the presser news, combine running back, combine running back previews, uh, picks six through ten uh, of the pre-combine mock draft. We were able to get into a little of you know the CBA and where this negotiations are going, be that as it may. Uh, SI.com, Browns Maven, about to be Brian, Browns Digest. Make sure you're checking out uh, – at underscore Pete Smith, underscore his work and his team's work over there. These guys are doing a fantastic job covering everything, getting you everything as it comes here, you know, as, you know, obviously with the pressers and all that stuff. Show itself at Lockdown Browns, all lowercase, follow back account. DMs are always open. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, you know, as you all know, DMs are open over there. Anything you want, input to the show. It's always appreciated. Critiques, those as well. Sure, why not feed them over too? Um, this has been your daily delivery of all things to all around. LGB on the LOB. Let's go around.